Welcome to We Are Unstoppable, sponsored by the University of Colorado Anschutz Medical Campus. I'm your host, Les Shapiro. And I'm your co-host, Vic Lombardi. Now, each episode, we'll bring inspiring interviews with great athletes, celebrities, and the most brilliant minds in medicine on how to beat adversity to win in life. So thanks for spending time with us as we bring you one step closer to becoming your best unstoppable self. Well, the podcast is called We Are Unstoppable, and I don't know if we've had anybody on this show who has been more unstoppable than this young lady, a, a woman that, uh, that Vic and I are very familiar with, an Olympic gold medal swimmer, six gold medals. Uh, she's in halls of fame all over the country. Um, she has been through a lot, though, but she has proven to be unstoppable. Amy Van Dyken. Are you going by Amy Van Dyken now or Amy Van Dyken Ruin or Amy Ruin? How do you want us to address you? Right. Yeah, that's a great question, you guys. I have no idea. Let's say on my driver's license, it says Amy Ruin, right? Okay. When I work, it used to say Amy Van Dyken until I got injured. And then I woke up one day in the ICU and I looked at the Today Show and now all of a sudden I'm a hyphen. Who the hell would hyphenate Van Dyken and ruin? I have no idea. <laughs> so we're just going to go by Van Dyken right now. <laughs> well, you know what I love about you more than anything, Amy, is your spirit. Again, you've been through a lot, and we'll, we'll go through the, the whole litany of, of what's been going on in your life over the last 20, 25 years. But you've been through a lot, yet you have such an unbelievable spirit, such a positivity about you. Is it always like that, or do you have your moments? Oh my gosh, I have my moments. Absolutely. I mean, the thing is that, that a lot of people don't understand is that paralysis is just kind of, it's a nasty thing, right? So I thought you just go numb, you just bleh, right? Mm -hmm. But there are some of us that have nerve pain. And I was always told growing up, oh, you're all legs. Oh, you're all, which is cute until you get paralyzed and you have nerve pain, right? So literally from my belly button all the way down to my tippy toes, front and back, on a good day like today, I feel like, um, you know, when your hand falls asleep to the point where you can't move it, like mm -hmm. that's what it feels like. On a bad day, it feels like my skin is being ripped off. So you've got to have a sense of humor. You've got to be positive. But there are those days when all of that is piling on top of each other where you're just like, are you kidding me? Like, this is a lot. So, you know, I think we all have our days, right? Our good days and our bad days. But even before your accident, Amy, uh when I describe you and I tell people, like, we turned on the Zoom chat. Normally, people are, are trying to figure out how to work it. They have that look on their face. Even when you're frustrated, you look happy and bubbly. I wish I could transplant that. I wish I could give that to people, that bubbly look that you possess. Have you always been like that? Oh, yeah, I actually have. And it's funny because, like, you guys all remember me when I was swimming, right? And I got a lot of crap because I was very intense. Yeah. You know, I was staring people down. I was spitting in their lane. I was doing all the things. But then, like, what you don't see is that as soon as it's over and we're in the metal room getting ready to walk out, everyone loves each other. And I'm so happy to see them. But listen, you know, I, I think a lot of people misunderstood what I was doing. You know, like, I'm trying to win a gold medal for my country not just for myself, but for the United States of America. And so, you know, I, I wasn't very bubbly then, but I'm always really bubbly. I've always been one of those people where the glass is half full. And if it's not, you better find a box of wine and fill the rest up because damn. Let's go back to your childhood. The first obstacle that you ran into from what I can gather is you were told you had asthma and a pretty bad case of it. Yeah. And then the I, I remember growing up when somebody had asthma, they were told to not do anything. Right. But your doctors told you, or maybe it was your idea, to to battle the asthma, 
get in the swimming pool and increase your lung capacity. That, that, that was kind of foreign back then, wasn't it? Well, it was, and especially when if the doctor would have taken five seconds to look at my chart and realize that I'm allergic to chlorine, he probably would have had me do something different. Oh. Yeah, right. I know a lot of people don't get that. And what's interesting is like, if you ask a lot of the people that I trained with at the Olympic Training Center, the air in there was awful. So even in the middle of winter, we would have, you know, the pool. And then at one end of the pool on one corner, we would have a door open. On the opposite corner, on the way far end of the pool, we'd have another door open and a fan blowing so that uh, I could actually swim. I was in the hospital a lot. And you know what a lot of people don't know also, and I'll tell you guys, because you guys are my people, um, is that I had a brother who had neuroblastoma, which is a brain tumor, which at the time was 99% uh, fatal. So he and I were in the hospital together a lot. Children's Hospital will never allow a Van Dyken ever again in the hospital because we were um, terrorists. You tore it up, huh? <laughs> we did. Listen, he was getting chemo and we're like running down like, you know, the CAT scan area and they're like, no, it's poison down there. We're like, it's fine. We'll get, we're going to get it. So yeah, we were, we were awful, but man, you got to see, even in times like that, you have to have fun. And that's one of the things that my parents always like instilled in us is that life is not going to be perfect and it's not going to go how you want it to go. But you have two ways of looking at it. You can either be a sourpuss and drive people away, or you can be happy about it, try to figure out how to change it and be happy and have people come in because then maybe they can help you. I never heard that story about your brother. Did he survive? He did not. No, he passed away five days after my fifth birthday. And how old was he? He had just turned three. And how did that hit you as a five-year-old? Great question. Um, I don't remember a lot of my childhood before that, just because of that. And my parents will tell me the story when they came home and they told me that Donnie had passed away. And I started laughing. And my mom goes, Amy, why are you laughing? And I said, Donnie didn't die. Only old people die. Um, and then I had a best friend named Julie. And Julie got in a lot of trouble, you guys. Um, and I think that was just my way of coping because he was my partner in crime, right? So we did all of that, um, you know, years of therapy, because it's hard to have something like that ripped away when you're so young. And um, I think if a lot of people knew that about me, they might understand me a little bit more mm -hmm. and understand kind of why I am the way I am. But I want, I want to go back to your asthma, yeah. because I, I grew up with asthma as well. We have that in common, and it was bad. I had to take shots and all this business. And and I was also allergic to grass, like the kind you play sports on. So right. by and large, you know, you can't play sports and you have asthma. But guess what? I played sports. I played football. I had asthma. I think today, sometimes we run from those type of adversities. We're just, you know, we're taught, oh, well, you, you can't do it. But if you don't know any better and you really don't care and you do it, you can grow up to become an Olympic swimmer. Right, exactly. And I, here's the thing that, that drives me nuts now, right? And, you know, it's our generation that's screwing things up. And I don't know why we're doing this. But, you know, you hear no. And you tell, no, you tell your kids, no, 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 don't do that. No, don't do that. It's not safe. We're back in the day. Like you said, we didn't know any different. Go outside and play in the street until the lights come home. If car comes, move over. Like, let them go by. And, you know, like with us, you've got asthma. Well, go play sports. Go jump in the swimming pool. Like, here's the thing. Don't let anybody tell you what you can and cannot do. And this is what I talk about in my speeches. Because when someone sees you and sees potential in you, a lot of times they get jealous. And jealousy is a nasty lady. And they will try to bring you down. So when you hear people telling you no, it's because they're jealous because they know that you have something that they want in themselves, but they don't want you to succeed because they know they can't do it themselves. So tell them to zip it. 
Amy, do you think you were taught this attitude or do you think it was innate? You were born with it. Um, I think a little bit of both. I think when you're a kid and, you know, you grow up and Vic, you could attest to this. I was in the hospital uh, probably once a month for a week at a time. You know, I would come back to school and kids would be like, where were you? And I'd be like, I'm in the hospital. And they'd be like, but you don't look sick. Even the teachers would be like, you don't look sick. So I think you kind of have to start to have that um, when you see so many people not believing in you or believing you. And, you know, you've got to forge your own path. And that's really what life is all about, right? It's about learning from your mistakes and learning from your circumstance and making it better. It's interesting you bring that up because you've, you've had a lifetime of hospital visits, a lifetime of medical issues. But when you compare that to what you went through with your accident, does, does any of that matter? Did any of that help? Or is it just not even in the same sense? Well, well, before you answer, Amy, we, we should remind yeah. everybody, after you won the six gold medals in the 96 and the, and the 2000 games, um, you went on to, to be a radio star, really, on the local and on the national level. And then in 2014, you had the ATV accident, right. which severed your spinal cord and gave you paralysis from the waist down. So we, we haven't gotten specific about that, but uh, in case anybody's been living under a rock for the last 10 years, now they know exactly what happened to you, and, and you are still uh, very much in a wheelchair most of the time. Yeah, well, unless I'm on the sofa, I mean, or in bed. Yeah, I'm in a wheelchair all the time. That's how I get around. Uh, one thing really quickly before we uh, talk about this, I'm not weird, wheelchair bound. Don't ever say that. I live in a wheelchair. Okay, sorry. No, you didn't say it. You didn't say it. I'm just saying for everyone who's listening, just so we all know, right? We all have our things. And then yeah. My thing is I do the teachable moments and things because I didn't know any of this crap before I got hurt, you know? And I feel like you, you don't know until you know, and it's my job to teach people, you know? So there we go. You didn't say it, but I'm just letting people know. All right, time for a quick break. When we get back more with six-time gold medal swimmer, Amy Van Dyken. We Are Unstoppable is sponsored by the University of Colorado Anschutz Medical Campus. You know, Les, when I got hit with prostate cancer, it's the first place I turned to because I know the Anschutz Campus, they really delve into breakthrough technology. If there's something new on the horizon, I know they've got it. And I was hit with lung cancer. And that's where I get treated as well, at the University of Colorado Anschutz Medical Campus. They've got me up and running. They've made me unstoppable. Less they've made us unstoppable. And they're located right here in the heart of the Rocky Mountain region. And we're back with Olympic gold medalist, Amy Van Dyken. A Amy, when you... Got into your accident. I, I remember reading about it. I remember it hit me like a ton of bricks. I remember rereading it and rereading it and saying, "This, this just, this cannot be true. This cannot, ha this can't be." What do you remember from that night? Oh gosh, um, that night is a blur, an absolute blur. Um, Tom and I, we went to a restaurant that was a quarter of a mile away from where we were staying at our house in Sholo, Arizona. Um, up in the mountains. And I knew that because like, I was a runner at the time, right? So I would always walk that quarter of a mile. And I knew once I hit the restaurant, then I would start my run. Um, and he wanted to take his truck. And I was like, listen, we've been living in Los Angeles. Like I want clean air on my face. So you take your motorcycle, I'll take my ATV. I remember pulling into the parking lot. I remember going in, saying hi to everybody. Um, and I remember eating my dinner and pushing in my chair. And that's where my memory stops. What's interesting is that 
you know, Tom was on his motorcycle and in true Tom Ruin fashion, he would normally take off in front of me. And uh, if he would have done that this time, he wouldn't have found me and I would probably still be there and things would have turned out very differently. But something was wrong with his motorcycle. He was dealing around with it. And he said that he looked up and he saw me going and there wasn't even a flicker of a brake light at all. And he was like, what the hell is she doing? And he saw the accident. Then he ran over, looked down the cliff and saw that my back, I was face down and he saw my back was broken. And so when you talk about someone having some PTSD, I mean, that guy has mm. been through hell and back, hell and back, but he's been doing a great job. Man, we never even considered that aspect of this, right? I mean, and that's, that cannot be easy. I've seen Thomas several times since then, but I did not know that he witnessed the whole situation. And so what did he do at that point when he saw you? So he, um, thank you, ski patrol in Winter Park, um, he ran down and he saw I wasn't breathing. And so he rolled me over very slowly and he lifted up my neck and I started convulsing and my eyes were going two different directions. And that happened for probably, he said somewhere between like five and eight minutes. Um, and he said that when I came to, like, I was very confused. Like I thought I was at home. We were going back home to watch Game of Thrones. Obviously we haven't watched it since. Um, but that's what we were going to do. And that's what I thought. And then flight for life came. And, um, the, the, what's interesting is my first responder actually was the guy that I worked out with who owned the CrossFit gym that I was at that morning. And I talked to him and Tom had talked to him and he told Tom, he said, listen, man, she's not going to be normal. Like when you see her again, she, her brain is just jacked up. So she's never going to be the same. Um, but you know, it ended up that I got into the hospital, I got into the trauma center and they did all the scans and they weren't even worried about my head at that point. And my doctor told me that he shut down all the trauma centers and that trauma center, anywhere he could have been called to, he, he shut down. And the reason that he did that is because the scans were really awful. So a lot of people that have the um, x-ray that I did don't make it out. Um, so I'm thankful that I had some great doctors and that I was in shape because I think the, the muscles that I had in my back kept my vertebrae from going into my aorta, which it was very close. Like if you take a hair on your head and you cut it in half, that's how far away my vertebrae was from my aorta. So hmm. it was pretty intense. Hey, Amy, the fact that, that Tom is an athlete himself, a, a former punter for the Denver Broncos and a, a two-time Super Bowl winner. Not an athlete, Les. It's a punter. That's your <laughs> punter. Good, good point. Kicker. Good point. He got paid as an athlete, but he really wasn't an athlete. That's right. Um, Conti anyway, continue on. <laughs> well, the, the fact that, that he had been in those surroundings for his whole adult life as well, did that help you? get through everything you've been through Tom's attitude as well? Oh yeah. Cause he was with me every single day. Like he was there going through therapy with me, just there watching. Cause he knew there were some times when I would just give him a look and he'd be like, all right, we got to stop, you know, because I'm so stubborn. I don't want to say I, I can't do this today. I need to stop. So he was always there. So I think that, same wavelength. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so he knew when it was time to shut it down. And um, you know, I think without him, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now, obviously. Um, and even to this day, he's so sweet. Like he always, you know, like yesterday I was trying to chase the puppy and I'm like, Oh, I fell out of my chair. I fell out of my chair. He came running as I'm thinking, you know, getting myself up out of the chair, which is a hard thing to do. Um, but I've learned it over the years, you know, he just always wants to be that guy that's always there. And, um, so yeah, but I think him being an athlete has really helped, um, him knowing also that every day I've got to go to CrossFit because if I don't like, I'm going to get grumpy. So he lets it happen. He lets the competing happen again. He lets competitive Amy come out again. God love him. Well, you know, and a lot of people would become very insular 
in a situation yeah. like yours. Um, you've been a public figure, well, since the Olympic Games in, in 96 and even a, a little bit before that. And you've been very, very vocal and very public about your, your rehab and your recovery and your progress. Uh, and, and you communicate with a lot of your followers on, on social media. Why have you chosen to make your journey so public? Because I have a voice for people that don't. And I, when, when you see me on Instagram, right, and you see me crawling, you know, which is a skill I just learned how to do. I was pretty stoked about it. But um, when you see me crawling, I do that. So there's a lot of people in the community that follow me. And a lot of people that you say, like, you know, are very insular. They sit in their dirty sweats, don't want to get up. They don't want to do anything. But if they can see me in the same position doing things like this, maybe it will get them to get outside once a day, right? And so I share that. I also share things like that happened the other day when the bridges over to Union Station were closed down. So I'm trapped. I bring that up because I do have a voice and it does need to be fixed. Denver is a huge city. Denver has Craig Hospital. We've got a huge disabled community out here and we can't have that happen. You know, so I make it very public so that it's known to the able-bodied community so that then they can maybe help us out. Um, so that's why I do it. I feel um, kind of a need to be so public to help people out, right? Because when I was first injured, that's what I did. I looked to people for advice, for help, for anything. Like, how are you putting your pants on? How are you putting your shoes on? You know what I mean? Like, just simple things like that. So that's why I do it. it, it isn't it also, Amy, hard to explain this, but people who go through adversity and you're out trying to teach and educate, isn't it also sort of therapy for yourself? The more you talk about it. Oh, Vic, absolutely. It's here's the thing. Like I started doing speeches about what happened to me literally the day after I got out of Craig hospital, I was, I flew to New York and that's what I started doing. And what I found was it's very cathartic because once I tell the story over and over and over and over and over again, it almost becomes like, did it really happen or was that a dream? Do you know what I mean? And so for me, it's been healing. And for me, um, you know, one of my, um, love languages is acts of service. And I feel like, again, with that Instagram situation and the Twitter and all of the things, people may look at me and go, oh, you're a Karen. And I'm like, yeah, no, but this is an act of service for me to help somebody else that doesn't have the following that I have. So yeah, it's cathartic. Absolutely it is. It helps me and it helps me feel better, right? Like when mm -hmm. I'm trapped after, um, you know, after a, um, a Rockies game right down the street and I can't get home, I need to tell people that because I think it'll help them, but it also helps me. It help, it makes me feel a little bit better, right? Because I get it out. <laughs> well, one of your acts of service is Amy's Army that yeah. you and Tom started. Um, and the organization, for those who don't know, it helps improve lives of people with spinal cord injuries, and it provides equipment not covered by insurance. That's an awfully big task to take on in your situation, isn't it? Um, it is, but I was um, I was gifted so much when I was in the hospital, you know, um, I, the Rockies sent me flowers. The Broncos sent me flowers. Um, the Diamondbacks did. Um, Bob Parsons, who started GoDaddy, he made me a, a, a wheelchair that looks like a motorcycle, right? So I was given so much and I needed to give back. And I saw that there was a big gap in the community. And one of those gaps was children under 18. So what we do is we provide custom wheelchairs to kids 18 and under because insurance won't let them get one. They, won't, they can't get a wheelchair like mine unless they fork out the 15 grand for it. So um, they usually get the ones that you see in the airports that are 70 pounds. So we let them do that. There was one little girl uh, named Savannah. And I'm like, why is her power chair taking so long? She's three years old. 
And I got on a phone call and they were like, listen, Savannah can't decide if she wants a pink wheelchair or a purple wheelchair and if she wants a sparkly or not. I said, can we half and half the thing? I'll pay for whatever, make the girl happy. So that's what we're doing. We're um, also hoping to get into the um, veteran, you know, the veterans that come home, we need to get them some custom wheelchairs as well. Um, and then uh, we've just given a power chair to canine companions so that the dogs who are learning to navigate the world for blind people can be around a power chair in case their person has a power chair. So change the world one wheelchair at a time, you guys. <laughs> hey, we, we got into how competitive you've always been and how important that is to you. How do you feed that beast today? The competitive furnace. So I am doing CrossFit. I'm an adaptive CrossFit athlete. I am the second seated female athlete in the world or on the planet, whatever they say. Wow. Right. So, and I'm hoping to become the first one. But what was great was, you know, I sat there and we were on the awards podium. I looked at the girl that was first and the girl that was third. And I said, you know, what's funny is that I'm old enough to be your mother. <laughs> you had to throw that, <laughs> yeah, didn't you? Just, <laughs> of course just you dig did. it in as I'm smiling. Yeah. Yeah. And then you spit in her lane, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then I think, you know, it's funny, you guys, the first event of the um, CrossFit Games was swimming. And everyone, when I got up, had their camera out because I swear they all thought that I was going to like, you know, hawk one and someone blame. I did not. I had some decorum. I've grown a little bit, but that's how I do it. I'm, I'm, I'm a CrossFitter. I train every day about, you know, an hour to two to three hours a day, six days a week. I love it. I have a great time. I love throwing heavy weights. So what, what are the events for CrossFit? What, what do you do? It's the same as it would be for an able-bodied athlete, right? I do deadlifts, um, which basically uh, teaches me how to pick something up off the floor. Sure. Um, I do cleans. I do presses. I do snatches. I climb ropes. Um, one of the things we do is we crawl. Um, I'm trying to think what else we do. We do battle ropes. Anything you can think of, I do. You know, since sports betting is so prominent and prevalent these days, I, I want to find a sports book that will give me the odds on you walking again. Okay. Cause I'm betting on you, young lady. Tell me how that's progressing. Tell me what you see in your immediate and long-term future. So immediate future, uh, I don't know that walking is going to be possible. Um, there's a lot of scientific research that's being done, which is amazing. Uh, I'm friends with, here, I'm going to drop a name. Hold on, let me pick it up. I'm friends with Jim McMahon, uh, quarterback for the Bears. Let me pick that name he up. He lives just a few blocks from me out here and, and you in Scottsdale. He does, absolutely. Yeah. And his uh, new fiance actually has been sending him to Columbia to get some actual stem cells. So I'm going to go there. Now, I'm not going there to hope to get my uh, walking back because here's the thing. I will be in this chair for my entire life. If you give me my bowel, my bladder, and my sexual function back, is that too much for a podcast? So the stem cells, they're, they're showing promise that it can give that back. So that would be amazing. I think that the walking will happen in my lifetime. So if it does, I'll be the first one to line up. Those things that you mentioned are, I went through prostate cancer, and those are things I had never even imagined, right? You know, peeing yourself. Like, what, what's it like to pee yourself? You never think of it. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself you find yourself on center ice at an avalanche game interviewing Nathan McKinnon, and you just peed yourself in front right. of the entire crowd. And you're like, wait a minute. Oh. I just peed my pants. Well, you, you guys are making my lung cancer sound yeah. okay. Right? I mean, you're – I haven't peed myself with lung cancer. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Amy, as always, it's been a pleasure. You know we're rooting for you now and always. And uh, we're going to look for you at those, at those wheel wide games. We want to we see you blast the competition and, and take a few more gold medals home. 
Love you, Amy. Always have, and you look great. You guys are amazing. You both look great. You both have been through so much, and uh, I appreciate what you're doing here, doing the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to We Are Unstoppable, sponsored by the University of Colorado Anschutz Medical Campus. You want more Unstoppable stories? Subscribe to our podcast wherever you find and listen to podcasts. You can even ask your smart speaker to play We Are Unstoppable podcasts. And you can visit us at our website, unstoppablepodcasts.com, for more episodes and ways to subscribe. That's unstoppablepodcasts.com. Subscribe today. 